0: Thank you for letting us be a part of your church experience today. We are so glad um, that you've invited us into wherever you're at, and we're happy to be here. Yeah,
1: I think it's so cool. All the places that that our church services are happening—they're—they're they're happening as people are preparing breakfast. They're happening as people are driving in their car. They're happening at, at people on vacations. <laughs> uh, it's been so cool just to hear people talk about how our our times together have just been all over the board Mm -hmm. and so um, it's been a pretty cool thing
0: it has and guys if you don't know we have a new platform that we're gonna be on this week for our online church so uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you should check out the new Church Live platform. So you can click the link that we've actually put in the YouTube thing if you're there. If you are on Church Online, we are excited to be here with you. There's some really cool features. We've got the Bible app on there that you can go to. Um, our giving is on there. If you need prayer. We and I'm can... on there. And, and, and KJ's on. I actually <laughs> think
1: that's cool because it's so easy like just to pull up the the actual service and to engage that, but to actually have that, that p- personal, you know, thing happening also, I am here, I'm sitting here, I would enjoy saying hi or being able to pray f- for you or to talk, I am here, so say hello.
0: Yes, please do. So I don't think we have a lot more to tell you today. There are other ways that you can get connected um, that is going to be in the little link area that you can connect with us as well. Um, And we are available. You guys can email us throughout the week. We would love to chat with you at that.
1: (laughs) That was weird. Anyway, I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna say a prayer. (laughs) No, there's no hard cut. There is no hard cut. This was amazing. I would stop because they're not cutting this out. Um, so I'm going to say we a prayer. We want to connect with you. I'm going to say a prayer right now to kind of set so set our space. Please um, so please, please pray with me. Pray
0: for me. I will.
1: Um, God, we thank you uh, for for who you are as a a g- God who prepares prepares spaces for us. Uh, thank you for the joy you bring. Thank you uh, for Um, for bringing the Spirit into our homes, into our cars, into all the places that you are today. Uh, Bless this time. Speak to us, guide us, and show us the things that you
2: are doing. In Christ we pray. Enjoy.
0: Enjoy.
2: Hey, Christ community, so glad you were joining us online today. Now, I don't know if you can relate to this, but early last April when this whole COVID thing hit, I was pretty confident that this whole ordeal was going to be over quickly, you know, a few weeks tops. Um, I'm not a runner, but in my mind, it felt like it was going to be a sprint, you know, something that would be over very quickly. We would catch our breath and move on. Well, then it became clear that it wasn't going to be over in a few weeks, so I started to think more in terms of a few months, and suddenly this sprint became a 5K. Well, somewhere around the three to four-month mark, I realized this is not a sprint, nor is it a 5K. This is a marathon. Now, I've never run a marathon I've never even run a 5K. I don't like running. I like riding in golf carts. Uh, But I do admire the friends of mine who who have trained for and then done a marathon. I mean, there is something about that experience that speaks of endurance and strength. I admire my friends who have done that, even though I have no interest in ever doing that myself. But there is a marathon that I do find myself in, whether I like it or not, It's the marathon of my own spiritual journey. In the passage of scripture that we're looking at today in Philippians chapter three, the Apostle Paul describes his own spiritual journey as a long distance race. And what is so helpful for me about that imagery is that it speaks to so many of the realities of my own spiritual journey. My, my brother-in-law has done <clears throat> the Boston Marathon like twice. One time he was sick and he did it anyway. I mean, when, when you talk to marathon runners, it's clear that this is not a walk in the park. There are certainly moments of euphoria, but there are lots of other moments of pain and excrement and vomiting. And But they keep Going. They run through the pain. They run through the ups and downs. And so I resonate with this marathon analogy because that's how my spiritual life feels. There are ups and downs. There are seasons when the running is downhill and the wind's at my back. Things are awesome. And then there are seasons when it's raining, raining, and I'm running uphill and I feel like quitting. How do we keep going in the midst of our marathon, in the midst of our spiritual journey, especially with the challenges and stresses surrounding COVID and the election and all the other stuff going on? Well, we've been walking through the book of Philippians, and today we come to a passage that is so inspiring to me personally about how to run this race. So I want to spend a few minutes looking together at this passage and letting God speak to each of us. Wherever we are on this spiritual journey. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, feel free to turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. Let me read this. You can see it on your screen as well. Paul writes these words. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Christ Jesus. This is God's word. What Paul does here is show us how he runs this race, how he keeps going in the ups and downs of life. Now, there are two things that Paul so powerfully articulates in answer to that question, things that I find so helpful. First of all, Paul shows us that in his running of this race, he has a clear purpose. He has a clear purpose. Paul knows What is his finish line is. Can you imagine anyone effectively running a race if they are not clear where the finish line is? (laughs) I mean, they would be wandering around aimlessly, you know, without a clear purpose. They may even work up a sweat, but they're not really running the race because they're not clear on their objective. I mean, part of the challenge for me in my own spiritual journey, maybe you can relate, is that as I'm running this race, there are all sorts of arrows that are popping up along the way, trying to point me in a different direction, saying to me, hey, here's what your purpose in life should be. Here's what will give meaning to your life. Here's the finish line that you need to pursue. And it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming at times. I think this is one reason why so many college-age students today struggle with feelings of anxiety about their future. There is this underlying pressure to know exactly what you're supposed to do in life. And if you, have, if you haven't figured that out, if you don't know what that is, you better figure it out fast. You're losing time. See, that, I mean, that can feel overwhelming when you look at all the options and all the different paths to choose. So what what inspires me so much about Paul's example and what I think is so helpful for all of us is that he is crystal clear about his life purpose. He knows exactly where the finish line is. In fact, in verse 13, he uses a very powerful phrase to describe this clarity. Look at what he says. But one thing I do. Paul was absolutely clear about his main thing. He knew what his one thing was, what, what, his, what his one thing was, what his purpose in life was. It didn't matter that other directional arrows were popping up along the way. He knew his one thing. When you are clear about your one thing, all the other things in life have a way of falling into place. Jesus talked about this. He once said in, in Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Get your one thing right. Seek that first, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, if you are correctly choosing your one thing, if you correctly choose your one thing, everything else will be taken care of. Okay, so what was Paul's one thing? Well, he, he articulates it in verse 10. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. That was Paul's life purpose. That was his main objective. That was the finish line he was headed towards. That was his one thing. Knowing Christ. Now, as we talked about last week, this word knowing is not simply talking about gathering information and facts about Jesus, knowing the right information about Jesus. No, this word speaks of a personal intimate relationship with Jesus. Paul's one thing was to know Christ in a personal, intimate way. And here's what is so cool about that. For Paul, that one thing included both the ups and downs of life. So let's start with the ups. Look again at verse 10. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of of his resurrection. See for Paul to know Christ was to actually experience the power of Jesus in a real way. We can experience the power of the resurrected Christ. how through his Holy Spirit whom Jesus has given to us which is why Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to To your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Jesus gave us His Holy Spirit for this very purpose to enable us to walk in His resurrection life. So, this means experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in greater ways love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. This means experiencing the gifts of the Spirit in greater ways gifts of mercy, of intercession, of healing, of leadership, of prophecy, of encouragement. This means hearing the Spirit's voice more clearly, which results in greater intimacy with Jesus. The more we are allowing the Spirit of Jesus to fill us, the more deeply we get to know Him. You know, I find it so helpful to remember that in the midst of this marathon race that we're running, you and I have 24-7 access to the Spirit of Jesus who lives in us. He is able, he's eager, he's able and he's eager to help you and me at any moment's notice. I can think of two specific examples in my life from the past few days. Um, One was a conversation I had with someone where before the conversation, I didn't pray about it. I didn't ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. I just kind of went for it. It did not go well. Um, But a few days later, I was really nervous about another conversation with someone and how to bring up something difficult. And so I spent some time in prayer ahead of time, and I asked the Holy Spirit to help me. It was amazing how well it went and how the Spirit enabled the topic to come up in a natural way with no defensiveness. I mean, after that conversation, I was like, Holy Spirit, you rock. You know, that was so cool. We can know, we can experience the power of Jesus' resurrection in our everyday lives. But Paul's one thing of knowing Christ was not only about experiencing his power. Look at what he says next. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. See, notice how Paul's one thing, to know Christ, includes both the ups and the downs of life. It includes the highs of experiencing the power of the Spirit, and it includes the lows, the areas of pain and suffering in our lives. I find this so helpful because it gives me perspective in my marathon when I experience suffering. It doesn't give me easy answers, but it does give me perspective. See, Paul realized that our suffering is amazing soil in which our relationship with and our our intimacy with Jesus can grow. Paul says here, in suffering, we become more like Jesus in his death. So what what, what does he mean? Well, for one thing, he's talking about how suffering can shape us into a less self-centered and more Jesus-centered person. Having a son with special needs has been one of the most difficult things in our family. But having Josh has also shaped our family in profound ways in terms of compassion and helping one another, things that look like Jesus. But suffering also has another specific result. Paul talks here about the participation in Jesus' suffering. What does he mean by that? In suffering, we can experience a solidarity with our Savior who suffered for us, who laid down his life for us. I mean, how many of us know that shared suffering, whether it's in a marriage or a friendship or on a sports team or on a battlefield or whatever, shared suffering can either tear people apart or it can draw them together in an inexplicable in an unbelievably tight bond, a band of brothers experience. See, maybe you are right now in the midst of just going through some experience of suffering in in your spiritual marathon, some relational or financial or emotional difficulty. And perhaps you are viewing that suffering through a, a resurrection lens, wondering why Jesus hasn't come through in a powerful way. But what if you broadened your lens to include a Jesus who also suffered and you find in him a wounded companion to walk with you in your suffering? I love how everything Paul experienced in his life, both highs and lows, were viewed, he viewed them through the lens of his one thing, to know Christ. If things were going well, if things were not going well, Paul viewed both of those as opportunities to know Christ more deeply. The more time I spend in this passage, the more I am realizing that this is a total game changer. When I am crystal clear about what my one thing is, to know Christ, that dramatically impacts how I run the race. It gives me a purpose. It gives me a perspective, whether I'm running uphill or downhill. It gives me perspective. And when, it, when I'm not clear about my one thing, I am miserable. I'm thrown off track by a negative email or by some discouraging news. I start to feel panicked, overwhelmed, confused. So what about you? Are you clear about your one thing? Is that one thing to know Christ? Is that your one thing? And if not, what is keeping you from having Jesus be your one thing? If Jesus is not our one thing, our marathon can begin to feel overwhelming. So first of all, Paul had a clear purpose, which leads to the second key to how Paul ran his race. He also had a driving passion, a driving passion. Look with me again, beginning in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, not only does Paul have a clear purpose to know Christ, he also is passionately pursuing that purpose. The language he uses here is that of a long-distance runner in the midst of a race who hasn't yet arrived at, at the goal. They haven't arrived at the finish line yet, so that they press on toward that goal. See, Paul is describing how he is focusing all of his energy and all of his effort on this one thing, to know Christ more deeply. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind. In other words, I'm not looking back. I'm not going to let regrets and past mistakes occupy my focus and attention. I mean, it's really hard to run a race if you're always looking behind you, right? It's really hard. (laughs) What, What keeps you moving forward is keeping your eyes on the goal, the prize, which for Paul is Christ Jesus. One of the books that has had a profound impact on my life and the lives of so many believers is the the book, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. In it, he talks about how one one of the most destructive ideas in Christianity today is the idea that once you have accepted Jesus, you need no longer seek him. Once you've accepted him, you need no longer seek him. Tozer points out that scripture gives a radically different picture than that. Moses, as he was leading the children of Israel, prayed to the Lord, Now show me your glory. In Psalm 27, David writes, One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Later in Psalm 42, the psalmist writes, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. The hunger described in these passages and in Paul's words is not describing a legalistic set of rituals to follow in order to, you know, get God to like us more or to gain his acceptance or, or somehow earn his favor. No, no, no. All of these passages are describing a relational longing to know God more intimately and to seek him passionately in response to all that he has done for us. In his recent book, Dream Big, Bob Goff describes three critical questions each one of us needs to answer in order to experience all that God has for us. Who am I? Where am I? And where am I going? We talked about those first two questions last week. In Philippians 3, 7 to 9. Who am I? And where am I and where am I? I am in Christ. I am found in Him, resting in the recliner of his sufficiency. But that doesn't answer this third question. Where am I going? The answer to that third question is what Paul is describing in this passage. Paul's one thing was to know Christ, and he was pursuing that with all of his energy. Okay, so back to the question I asked a few few minutes ago. Do you know what your one thing is? I'm not talking about knowing what the Bible says your one thing is supposed to be. We all know that answer, Jesus, right? We know the right answer. I'm talking about whether in the core of your being, your one thing is Jesus. Your one thing is to know Jesus. If you you don't have clarity on that, I would encourage you to take some time this week to explore what is keeping you from having Jesus be your one thing. Now, once you're crystal clear on your purpose to know Christ, an adventure awaits you as you pursue that purpose with all your energy and focus. I don't know what that looks like for you in this season of your life, in this stage of your marathon. For me... Jesus has been calling me to stop watching so much television and to spend more time reading books that are stirring a longing for more of him. A friend of mine just took an overnight prayer retreat, just her and Jesus, to seek him afresh. Maybe God is calling you to fast or to join a small group or to face a secret addiction that has been stealing your energy away from pursuing Jesus. Maybe God is inviting you to see a counselor and and, and to begin exploring some hidden sadness or grief in your life so that you can experience Jesus in that place. I don't know what that pursuit of Jesus looks like for you in this season, but I do know that saying yes to him is better than any other finish line this world offers us. Let's pray together. So I want to encourage us just to sit with a couple of questions for a few, a few moments here, just to sit in the Lord's presence with a couple of questions So here's the first question I want to encourage us to sit with, to ask our soul, to ask ourselves. First question, what is my one thing? What is my one thing? what is that finish line for you, for me? What, what is that thing that we're giving so much of our energy and effort towards? You know, as you're asking that question, if, if your one thing is not knowing Jesus, then I would encourage you to ask the second question, what is keeping you, what is keeping us from having Jesus be our one thing? Well, what is hindering that? And if God brings clarity, if he answers that second question for you, lays something in your heart that's kind of a barrier, just take a moment and pray through that. Acknowledge that to the Lord, that you've been pursuing something other than knowing Christ. And and just tell him that you want, if this is sincerely from your heart, that you want knowing Christ to be your one thing. Just tell him that. There's there's another question I want us to now just to sit in for a moment. And again, these are questions you can sit in not only now, but later in the service, in the worship time, later this week, later today, this week. These are are powerful questions. Here's here's another question. So, Lord, what, what, what next step are you inviting me to take in order to more fully pursue you as my one thing? Just ask the Lord that. What next step is he inviting you to take to pursue him as your one thing? God, as we sense in our hearts the stirring from you to seek your face, to know you more deeply, we want to respond to that by saying yes. God, we want to reorient certain parts of our lives. We want to just give time, carve out time for whatever it looks like that you would show us what that next step is so that we can stir and you can just continue to stir that fire that we would be a people who are clear about our purpose to know you, and we are pursuing that purpose with all of our energy. So I pray that for each person watching this and for myself. Lord, would you do this work in us? Bring us back again and again to this passage and to this place where we are reminded what our one thing is, and we are re energized and refocused to pursue that one thing. So we love you, Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity we have even now to respond to this message by, by singing, by responding, and just in worshiping you with a few with with songs, God. Or maybe it's with just a time of quiet, however, you want us to respond to you. We want to do that. We love you, Jesus. Just increase our love and our passion for you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: If you want to join me in singing, you just want this, this to be sung over you. Let's just focus on Jesus, our love and our passion for him. And be them. My- Your presence is my light osha oh, is found. In ye, Jesus, let my soul be satisfied. Oh, to my heart, to Yours, God. Let us be one. Oh, let me feel the power, Your power, God, of Your resurrection. your power run deep in me, Cause death could not hold you, but they all before you, the silence of boast of sin and grief, the heaven's were You have no right, but you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Cause yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all.
1: That was so good. Um, the, the idea of, I mean, like, it's a very simple idea of just focusing on Jesus. Right. Um, but especially during this time, like, there's a billion things that, that, that I feel like I have to prioritize at this point. There's, like, a billion things that I feel like I need to focus on this, I need to focus on this. And um, just the idea of, like, no, if I, if I just focus on Jesus, everything else is just going to, fall into places that they were supposed to be. Yeah,
0: and I've been focusing on the fact that they didn't cut that cliff out, so maybe I
1: need to focus uh, on that. I think that <laughs> fell into the place that it was supposed to be all along. I hope
0: you were blessed
1: by that. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, so thank you um, for, for having us here. Thank you uh, for inviting us into the space that you had today. It's been an honor. Um, so yeah,
0: and we guys just to let you know, we would love to be praying for you as well and we have a text to pray um, option. So if you have something that was stirred in you during this time um, and you just want somebody to pray with you, we would love to be there for you in that. so you can do that throughout the week as well. but Yeah, we are so here now.
1: please text us or just say hi, I'm here and then chat. I can pray for you now too. So I am going to pray a blessing over you. Um, so please accept this blessing. May you see Jesus clearly. May he be in focus. May you see his eyes. May you see his smile. May you see him. May you follow him and be guided by him every step. May he guide you through the chaos and bring you comfort and peace. May you be blessed by having his presence surround you. In Christ I pray, and in Christ I proclaim. Amen. Mm-hmm. Have a great week.
3: Death could not hold, a veil tore before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave Heaven's roar the praise of your glory for you are raised till I forget you have no right you have no equal now and forever Yours is a king, yours is a glory, yours is a name above every name. There could now, old, failed all before. Yes, silence, the books of sin and grief. Heaven, dream of your glory for oh, you are raised to life again you have no rival you have no weep now and forever God you name yours is the kingdom yours is The name, the name above every name. Come and roar, God. Come and roar in our lives, Lord. Raise us, wake us back to life. Resurrection life be bestowed